This is Andy Hines. I'm uh, in my home office, and we're going to pick up <clears throat> with our teaching on the parable of the sower, part 7. And we're going to spend some time in John chapter 5. Uh, if you'll remember, we'll do a quick review. Mark chapter 1 was where we started, and we saw that Jesus had five things that that he did that enabled him to be successful. He modeled for us baptism, which is born again. He didn't need it, but he modeled it for us to do. So he's born again. Then the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon him. And number three, very important one, uh, it said that the the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So if we go to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 1 and 6, we see that it's impossible to please God without faith. So we know that Jesus operated in faith. The fourth thing was, he went into the desert and faced the enemy. He went into the desert and he faced the enemy. While he was in the desert, he he heard what it was he was called to do. And number five, he went out of the desert and did what he was called to do. Now, <clears throat> you can see in, in um, Luke chapter 4, expanded version of being in the desert and uh, the temptation. Chapter 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit when he went into the desert. And verse 14 said he was full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when he came out of the desert. Now we know the Holy Spirit was powerful when he went into the desert. But Jesus, through the activities of the desert experience, was imbued and the power of the Holy Spirit was released in him. So those are the five things that Jesus uh, enabled, us to, enabled us to do as he began his ministry. Now, the parable of the sower, we go to Mark chapter 4 and find out that there's five things that the enemy does uh, to uh, attack us and to steal what God gives us. Number one, we, we know the parable of the sower. Well, there were four soils, um, good soil, rocky soil, soil by the pathway, and thorny ground. Those four grounds, and the only one that produced results was the good ground. So that's like 25% of the people that hear the word, only 25% of them will actually produce. So if you've got 100 people listening to the word of God, only 25 of them are really going to get what's being said. Now, <clears throat> Jesus tells us that the sower sows the word, and Satan comes immediately to steal the word which has been sown. He's got five weapons that he uses. Number one, Affliction. Number two is persecution. Number three is the deceitfulness of riches. Number four is cares and anxiety. Number five is lust, as the King James says, but it actually means pressure on your five physical senses. So that's a quick review of where we are now. And we want to watch Jesus as he proceeds in his ministry how this attacks him, how, how he experiences this. So let's turn to, to John chapter 5, and I'm going to read 
the first 18 verses <coughs> for us, and I'm going to be reading it from the modern English version. Um, so here we go. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great crowd of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And after the stirring of the water, whoever stepped in first was healed of whatever disease he had. <clears throat> Verse 5, a certain man was there who had had an illness for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he'd been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was healed and took up his bed and walked. That day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Well, he answered them and said, He who healed me said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And so they said, Who is this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. Verse 14, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you've become whole. Sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. Now the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. So, verse 16, The Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Jesus answered them, My father is working still, and I am working. So the Jews sought even more to kill him because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Now, <clears throat> let's look at this within the framework of the parable of the sower. Uh, John 5, let's look at verses 2 and 3. There was uh, a lot of people there, the multitude of people who were sick, blind, lame, withered, bad, paralyzed. And one of the questions that comes up, Jesus was there. Why was this guy the only one healed? That's a great question to pursue. Why was this guy the only one to be healed? Well, we, we have an answer. We're going to see that in just a second. Um John chapter 5, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been sick a long time, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? Now, it's interesting here because you see that when uh, Jesus went into the desert, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And when he came out, he's full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, if we, if we go to um, 1 Corinthians 12... 
let's just pop over there real quick. First Corinthians 12, <clears throat> starting at verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. Okay? To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, and by the same Spirit to another faith, by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing, and by the same Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But that one and very same Spirit works all of these, dividing to each one individually as he wills. Now, you can see Jesus is operating with the gifts of the Spirit. Now, Paul talks about this later. Right now, Jesus hasn't enumerated on these to anyone. But let's see he's working here. One, he knew that he'd been sick for a long time. How did that happen? He got a word of knowledge. He got a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. He knew that when he walked up there. Now, said there was a multitude of invalids there, uh, but the Holy Spirit focused in on this guy. Now, if we go, why is the only why is this guy the only one healed? Well, let's look at John five nineteen. And Jesus said to them, Truly. Truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, likewise the Son does. The Holy Spirit gave him a vision, a picture. Um, I don't know what it was, but it, it was something that Jesus saw that, the whole, that God the Father wanted to heal this guy. Not everyone else, but this guy. Why did he pick that guy? I don't know. It doesn't say. But it does say that, that that the only thing that Jesus does is what he sees the Father do. Now, <clears throat> if you would go over and look at verse 30 in John chapter 5, you see, I can do nothing of myself. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. My judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the, the will of the Father who sent me. Now, he sees what he, 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 he does what he sees the Father do, and he speaks what the Father tells him to speak, the Holy Spirit. So here's a man that is baptized in the Holy Spirit and is constantly listening for God and looking for God to tell him, uh, where he wants him to go and what he wants him to do. Now, let's go on from there. Uh, he was given a word of knowledge, and you can see that. And number two, he asked the question, do you want to be healed? That's a great question. In, in reality, what he says is, do you really want what it is you think you want? Do you really want what it is you think you want? Now, right now, there's quite a revival going on at Wilmore, Kentucky, at, at Asbury, uh, the the college of Asbury in, 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 in Wilmore. And in 1970, 
there was another revival at, at Wilmore. And just like it is today, it spread to colleges all around. I was at Taylor University when, when that hit at uh, Wilmore, and it came up to Taylor. And much the same happened to Taylor that it was happening in Wilmore. Now, today, one of the primary differences uh, in, in the 1970 revival and today is the Internet and the uh, and the ability to live stream. Um, you might think that the internet has no redeeming value with all the garbage that people use it for. However, this is one that is really good. Ju Julie and I, my wife, and I were watching uh, Dutch Sheets the other day uh, and giving 15, and uh, we watched that on YouTube, and right after that was over, we closed out his window and right at ne up next was a live stream of a young lady giving her testimony at Wilmore. Now we can see all kinds of things happen as this as this revival spreads among young people we're going to see that God's moving uh, dramatically in young people and not to get off the subject but today uh, Julie and I went to a different church to hear the pastor who went to Wilmore he went to Wilmore with three other people from Athens, and they drove six, seven hours to get there. When they got there, they uh, stood in line, 48 degrees or 38 degrees, somewhere in that area, snow, windy, uh, you know, typical uh, Kentucky winter weather. And, um, and his son was with him. I'd say he's about 22 years old, and he went inside. And as we as we as we listen to to Bill's testimony, Pastor Bill Curlington of St. James Methodist in Athens, and his son, and I I didn't catch his son's name, but quite a young man. As they were talking about that, you could see that the spirit of God, the prayer, the word, is starting to blossom. So one things we know from this is that there will be issues to deal with as you start moving with God. Now, one of the things is here, do you really want what you think it is that you want? Well, within that framework, let's look at this a minute. Uh, Bill and, the, and three other people uh, as well were willing to go drive up there and spend that time and do what they were doing in a hotel and get up and spend a couple of days there soaking and basking within the, the power of God. They were willing to do that. Now, at our church, Living Hope, our pastor, David Holt, uh, got a bunch of people to go from our church up to Dawsonville, Georgia, where there's been a revival uh, um, going on for years. And people want to go there. Julie and I, when we were young and, and, um, and just gotten saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, we wanted to be where the teaching was. And we would drive hours to get there and stand in line to get in so we could get a front row seat. We'd had our tape recorders and we had our Bibles. And uh, back in the day, you, if, if you had your tape recorder, you were ready to roll. Now, let's go on to John chapter 5, verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Now, 
In answer to Jesus' question, do you want to be healed, he responded with the only thing that he knew how to respond was, this is the only way I know to get healed. And and he tells Jesus uh, this story that, that when the angel comes and stirs the water, he can't get in, but somebody else gets in in front of him. He, he doesn't have any friends like the guy that chopped a hole in the roof and dropped the guy down. The four guys chopped a hole in Jesus' roof and dropped the guy down for him. This guy didn't have four guys that would dump him in the pool. Now, the man answered the question based on the information that he had. The only way he could possibly be healed was to have be in that pool in that situation. Now, Think of the impossibility that this man was facing, the, the, the disillusionment, the discouragement that he's facing. He's been sick like this for 38 years. We don't know how long he was in the, in the temple. We don't know how long he was trying to get into the pool, but we know he'd been sick for 38 years. I don't know how old he was, but we do know that he'd been sick a long time. So within that 38 years, his legs are, you know, hanging down. He, he doesn't have any muscle tone. It's just not a good situation. Okay? Now, Jesus sowed the word. The sower sows the word, and Jesus said to him, Let's go back and look at um, verse 8. Rise up, take your bed, and walk. That's the, that's the word of God. That's the seed. That's the same thing Jesus, uh, as Jesus did when they were in the back of the, uh, uh, he was in the back of the boat, and they were crossing uh, the lake to get to the other side. He said, let's go over to the other side. And a hurricane came to stop them. But his word won out. Uh, Isaiah fifty-five eleven basically says, my word goes forth and will accomplish what I sent it to do. So, let's go on from there. We see this pattern very clearly. God's word, rise up and walk. But this man did exactly what Jesus told him to do. Now, he didn't say, I can't, I don't. my legs don't work, I don't know how to do that. He didn't do anything. He just took a step lifted his mat and walked out. Don't you think everybody else there was interested in getting close to Jesus when they saw this? Now, he acted on what Jesus said without hesitation. It doesn't say he sat around and thought about it. It said immediately the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Two miracles right there. He got healed and he could walk. I don't know if he, if, if, you know, maybe he's been that way since kid. Maybe he's just 38 years old. Maybe he's never walked before, but it doesn't matter. 38 years of not being able to walk. When your legs get healed, you're going to have some issues trying to walk. You're not going to be able to play soccer or kick a field goal or, you know, even walk across the street. But in this case, when Jesus does something like this, he, he, Fills out the whole deal. Okay? Now, even though this man 
was probably fighting discouragement, anxiety, and fear. His heart was actually good soil because the word produced such a great harvest as the man acted on what Jesus said without hesitation. So, like Jesus said uh, in the end of uh, Mark 4, um, Mark, I believe it's like 4.18. Let me pull it up here. Um, verse 20. Still others are our seed sown on good ground, which this man was. And those who hear the word and receive it bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 times as much. I'd say he's getting a hundredfold return. I'd say he's getting a really good return for his money. Now let's look at, at John 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 10. That day was the Sabbath. Jesus is constantly getting in trouble on the Sabbath. Okay, now, um, the Jews, the Pharisees, not all Pharisees were like this, but there was a subset of the Jew, the Pharisees that didn't like this, and they got all bent out of shape about the Sabbath. They said to him, so the Jews were saying to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to carry your mat. When I read that, again, it struck me that they weren't paying any attention to the fact that this guy was healed and could walk after 38 years of being that. It's like uh, with COVID-19. Uh, certain medicines can be applied uh, before you get bad with the disease and it stops the disease. They got all kinds of uh, information that says that. But people got upset because you were taking the medicine. They didn't pay attention if you're actually getting healed or not. Now, we know Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Remember the five things. Affliction, he's already got that. 38 years of of affliction, persecution, the deceitfulness of riches, cares, thorns, and anxiety, and pressure on your five physical senses. Well, he's had those things. He's had that affliction for 38 years. Jesus comes in and takes it out. Now, let's look what happens to Jesus at this point. Satan comes immediately to steal the word which has been sown. And he sends his Jews in to do it. Jesus is constantly in conflict with a specific branch of the Pharisees which is unable to see past the breaking of the Sabbath. Not all Pharisees were that way, but the, there was a group of them that were. And they get after him. Now listen listen to, to John 15 through 18. Listen to what they said here. The man went away and disclosed to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. No, there's no problem there. He found out who it was and he told them. That's okay. And for this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Affliction, persecution. So Satan's going after him. They're going to persecute him. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Then he says, for this reason... The Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. John 10.10, 10, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but was calling on God, his own father, and making himself equal with God. 
Now, in this situation, you can see Jesus is modeling what he's doing, what he's called to do. He's listening to God, and he's getting in trouble for it. Satan's trying to destroy it, but they can't get him yet because he's not done with his with his uh, mission. Now, we talked earlier about this. If we go back to Luke uh, chapter 4, and uh, he says, all those were in the synagogue, were their eyes were fixed on him in verse 20. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying to them, he holds up the scroll of Isaiah, and he says to them, I'm the man that this is talking about. I'm the guy. And he proceeds to talk to them and tell them things that they don't want to hear. And now listen to this. All those in the synagogue when they heard it were filled with wrath. They rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the city which it was built that they might throw him down headlong. They're going to try to kill him. This is one of the Satan's primary attacks. We're going to kill the guy. And he throws everything he can at him to kill him. But it says, verse 30, passing through the midst of them, he went away. They weren't, he wasn't, his mission wasn't over. This is why it's critical to know your mission because if it's not over, you're protected. And he turned around and he walked through the crowd and they could do nothing about it. They could do nothing about it. Now, going back to the to John chapter 5, we see a couple principles and we're going to close with that. Number one, Jesus was listening to God and saw what it was he was supposed to do because he saw God doing it. He got a vision somehow, a picture of God healing this man, and he knew what he was supposed to do. Uh, number two, as soon as he did that, this man acted on what he said, and he, he jumped up and started walking, and he was healed. That He hadn't walked in 38 years now he's walking there. So we got two miracles going on here. The third thing is Satan comes immediately to steal the word. He's going to go after Jesus for putting out the word. They're going to try to kill him. Uh, there, there. It says uh, um, they persecuted him because he healed on the Sabbath. Now, one of the interesting things about healing on the Sabbath, Jesus, one of the reasons that he got in a lot of trouble was because he did things that they weren't accustomed to seeing. He, he, he turned what they knew to be true upside down. He changed the rules of the game. That's one of the things about the Old Testament. God is God. He doesn't change, but he changed the rules that we operate under. A friend of mine and I were talking. It's like uh, pro football. A big football fan, big pro football fan, from way back in the in the six fifties and sixties when I was a little boy, I became a big pro football fan. Okay, now the rules there's still football. Touchdown was six points. An extra point was a point. A safety was two points. A field goal was three points. That's the way you. That's the scoring system. 
And all kinds of, of scores come up because various combinations of that. And so, but the way the game is played is changed. You couldn't do the things that she, they, they couldn't play the game as it was played in the 60s and 70s today because they'd be thrown out. Okay? They just changed the rule. Same game. It's pro football. Uh, there are a number of rule changes that make it impossible to do what you did in the 60s and 70s and play football. They, but it's the same game. It's the same thing here with God. He, he doesn't change. Jesus, uh, in Hebrews 13.8, tells us that Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, the Old Testament was one set of rules. The New Testament's a new set of rules. The the Pharisees and everyone was operating under the Old Testament, and Jesus is bringing in new rules, and they don't handle that very well. Now, I would submit to you that uh, change is difficult for people. It's difficult for me. We're experiencing a lot of that in today's society. So I'm going to close with prayer. I want to thank you for coming tonight and listening. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for what you've done, the way that the word works. We thank you for the parable of the sower. I ask you to bless everyone here and let the word go forth and bear fruit in their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the next time we get together, uh, we're going to look at Paul, the Apostle Paul's life, and we're going to deal with some very interesting things in Paul's life and show you how the parable of the sower worked in his life. So I look forward to seeing you then. You guys have a great day. Um, can't think of anything else to say, so God bless you. We'll see you later. <laughs>